You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing on again with another incredible guest. Today, our guest, Lauren Abrams, is the host of 52 Weeks of Hope, the podcast where leaders, healers, and others discuss overcoming challenges, manifesting dreams, and messages of hope. It comes from Lauren's own dark night of the soul, where she emerged knowing she must tell her story and that you aren't alone. Oh, yes, Lauren. You know, this is why I was so excited to have you on the show because we share so many similar motivations with why we create content. And I'm just so excited to have you here. So thank you for taking the time to be here. How are you? Thanks, Noah. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I, I agree. I was researching your show and I was like, oh, we have the same, we have, we definitely have the same and similar goals with trying to just if if our message reaches one person, that that is great and helps one person get some hope for me and I think for you too, really. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna take a minute and just tell a little bit about who you are and what you do outside of that bio there? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I'm a lawyer by day. That's my day job. (laughs) But um, I I love podcasting. It's something I absolutely I came into through my dark night of the soul, so to speak. It's that I actually had never heard the term. Somebody said, Oh, that's a dark night of the soul. I went, Okay. (laughs) And uh, I mean, everybody has it. Everybody goes through it. You don't escape life without going through that. And um, I went through mine. And I was like, What the hell was that? Um, cause it took me by surprise. Um, and I thought I'm going to go and ask people who are an older demographic, like, why are we here? <laughs> they say nobody ever wished they, who were on their deathbed, wish they worked harder, or made more money. So what have you gleaned from life? And, and actually that's what I started doing. I decided I'm not a DIY or anything. I just thought it's a project. I'll do this. And I'd ask one person a week for a year. Like, why are we here? What have you gleaned from life? And I started doing that. I was a single mom. I, I still am a single. I mean, I'm not single anymore. I got married. But um, at the time, I was a single mom raising my two kids and working full time and still like being of service and giving back a lot. And uh, I started asking a person a week and people would divulge the most personal information to me. I was shocked. I'm not a shrink or anything, but they would just tell me like what they had gleaned from life. And I would go home and I would write up what they told me and to my best friend or just for me in my own verbiage, not making fun of them, but I have a funny kind of take on things. And uh, after about two and a half months, there started being common themes that I was being told. And I thought, I'm going to write a book. One of those books where you open it up and you're like, that's just what I needed to hear. (laughs) Or you close it and open it again and go, that's it. And uh, so after, and I, I thought, I'll call it 52 Weeks of Hope. And then the pandemic hit and I pivoted because that's what we do in life. We pivot. And uh, I started podcasting and I got to reach even more people and talk to healers now and change agents and all different types of people. And I've just kept going with that. And actually, after my 52nd episode, I asked everybody um, that I interview, what's your message of hope at the end? And I took those 52 weeks episodes and I compiled them into a list of 10 overarching messages, and I called it The Meaning of Life. It's a short episode. And uh, I said, I now know The Meaning of Life. I know it sounds like hubris or whatever, but it's not. It's actually like 
10 overarching messages. So, Wow, that is so incredible. And, you know, for those people that are in their dark night of the soul, you know, mine was like a decade of dark night. I wouldn't, it wasn't a night. It was a dark decade. (laughs) I I had one of those too. That, that, that goes back. I definitely had that, which is why mine surprised me so much. Yeah. But go ahead. Didn't mean to cut Uh, you off. No, no. So so I would love to hear the, the story. Um, So, I mean, that might have been the story, really. But if we can kind of go through really what was going through your head when you decided to do this, ultimately, like what we're what I'd love to hear is the story of when people were facing an impossible task. Maybe they had to take a big risk. And, you know, if you have a moment where you were faced with a big risk, you decided to go against the odds and give something a shot. Would you mind sharing that story and then kind of what was going through your head at the time? Um. Well, I think podcasting is definitely taking a shot. Uh, but before that, just for background of me, because and you never know what's going on with anyone. You don't know their story. You don't know anything. Um, I have somebody who worked for me who thought, oh, Beverly Hills, this or that. I- I'm not that. That is not me. I mean, I'm somebody that I am self-made 100%. I'm somebody that growing up, I always felt different, not a part of. I just felt like I'm somebody gravitated towards alcohol and drugs. And I was in really bad shape by the time I was 19. Everybody in my family always went to college and this and that. And I'm somebody that just like, I'm from the East Coast originally. I live in LA. And um, by the time I got to LA, I was just this totally strung out kid strung out on drugs, living in an abandoned house, trying to kill, like I was 83 pounds, had no way out. And um, I ended up actually in a rehab as a younger, this is decades ago now. And I got hope then. And uh, I just wanted to die. I had no idea about anything. And I ended up in a rehab and I got hope. And I found a way out and I slowly, slowly built my life. And, uh, and I was shot. I mean, I just, I, I didn't know there was a way out, and so I always thought nobody else does either. So I've always given back, thinking always, always, always. You know, I started going to college after a few years, and and then I went to UCLA, and then law school, and I got my master's. And I was always like, oh my god, I'm a lot. In fact, when social media came around, the first thing people would say to me is that found me were like, you're alive. <laughs> then it was like, you're a lawyer. <laughs> and um, so I was, I'm always grateful, like always, like somebody like me shouldn't be alive, never mind have the life I have. So here I am with this law practice. I had gotten married in law school and then we had kids and we got divorced and, <laughs> and, uh, but, and that's, that's the single mom. And everything looks good on the outside. And uh, I now talk about it on LinkedIn and stuff. And I, have a thriving law practice, but money wasn't coming in. And it got really, really dark, really dark. Um, And I know it's a quality problem because here I am helping people in downtown LA with really nothing. And I have to pay my staff and I have to pay, I have to pay everyone. And it got to where I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. Like it was that bad. And I got sued by a vendor. I was like, oh my God, it's a state bargain. I like come out. I don't know what happens when you get sued. Like I'm a lawyer and I, really to this day that vendor ended up like why aren't you using us anymore for depositions like i wanted to flip them off like are you kidding and i was paying them small amounts i thought that would be okay i i can remember the first time i got a car and didn't need a cosigner like slowly building credit and here i am now like i own a home and like stuff like that and uh so that was my dark night of the soul and i called it a quality problem because i know there's people 
with no place to live. So here, but I really didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. So I went and uh, I was in actually like the spin class that, cause I, ha- I wasn't wasting my money on spin classes. I had some left in my Keck, whatever, Q-U-E, Q-U-E, however you say the word. Q, Q? <laughs> yeah, Q, catch. in my Q. Yeah, I, I like, I never know how to actually pronounce that word. <laughs> and um, I'm in the class and Angela Manuel Davis, I'm a huge Angela groupie. She's probably the only one I'm a groupie for, except for a few sports people, but um, it's outside of the podcast. But, uh, and uh, although they're very motivational too. And she does her old Angela thing where I'm in the dark and she's like, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but somebody needs to hear this. And I don't remember what she said. And I'm crying and something in me shifted because that's what happens as long as we don't sit like hoping for something to happen, like something shifted. And I knew I'd be okay. I, I Money did not rain down on me. I fed my kids. Like I said, I got sued by one vendor and whatever. And And I kept going and that is what prompted my... Like I got through it. That's all I can say. And I, that's when I thought, what the hell was that when I got through it? And I started interviewing a person a week. And I have interviewed people that went through such worse things. But I was just really, really surprised that I felt so such darkness and heaviness as I went through it and felt so alone. And so anyway, is that too, did I talk too long? I'm sorry. You can keep talking all you want. This is beautiful. Wow. This is, I mean, there's just that that feeling of holding on for dear life. It's it's nerve wracking to to know that you just see the the dip continuing to get deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like there's got to be a way out. And I love the I love the fact that it, there's something that that's beautiful about movement. And I find. Whenever I get in a slump like that, I, I find similarly, if I'm moving, if I'm exercising, it's, it shakes something up inside of me. And, and like, that's generally speaking, when like good ideas come or just the, the, the willpower to keep going shows up. What, um, it's, it's so you, true. I, I have, a, I have an article on my website of seven ways to feel better right now, but I've also interviewed so many people now at this point that, like just going outside and taking a walk without your cell phone, not having a cell phone, by the way, is one of the big ways of feeling better. The older, when I was interviewing in person, older people, they're like, you young people need to put down your cell phones. <laughs> um, I love being called a young person, but, um, <laughs> and, uh, but even a rabbi I talked to who was so amazing um, that he said going for a run or even a walk without and just thinking and uh, not the meditation. I mean, most people say meditation, and that's one of my big things. But I mean, just clearing our minds or taking a walk around the block the opposite direction, you know, things like that, doing things the opposite way. So go ahead. I am so Take glad away. you brought that up. I, I, have, I have to have two days a week where I leave my phone at home because I will not get anything done. And the, those two days are when I get the bulk of all of my projects done. I know I'm going to stay focused and I'm not going to be flitting around distracted by a bunch of little insignificant messages and stuff. Um, the I just saw the best. I just saw the best. Uh, I was like, why didn't this person get back to me? I'm trying to like use her services. And I saw on the tail of her email, I only checked my email. It's like 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. I was like, I'm going to put that on there. It is the bane <laughs> of my existence is email. So Absolutely. I was like, that's good. So earlier we were talking a little bit about this concept of humor and how you generally find a way to to laugh at problems or just to laugh in life. How 
What would you suggest for people that um, are looking for ways to get through hard hard times and how to how they can exercise humor a little bit more to make light of it? Okay, I, I always say I'm my own best audience. I think I laugh at me more than anyone, and I think I'm the funniest more than anybody else thinks I'm funny. But yeah, that's me. Um, okay, so here's the thing: if you just smile, that will release endorphins. Just just smiling, um, it doesn't take. Like you don't have to actually think anything's funny. Just laughing, fake laugh, and smile. Put a smile on your face. Will do it just that in itself. And um, you can also sing, sing one of your favorite songs and sing it out loud. And people beg me to lip sync, so I'm the one saying this to you. So it, it doesn't matter. Dance that will make you feel better. All these things release endorphins. Um, put your feet in the dirt. Bare feet in the dirt is a grounding movement. It will make you feel better. I don't know why. It just does. It's one of those things. I've, I, like I said, I wrote, I've written a bunch of articles and I've done a lot of research on these things. So I was about to say the only advantage to being an attorney, but I'm sure there's others. At the moment, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> um, just be honest. Uh, but I know how to research quickly <laughs> after being an attorney for what, 23, 24 years, however long it is. Um, I, I can research quick. Uh, but these are ways to feel better really quickly. And, but we need connection. And so if you pick up the phone and you call someone and say, how are you doing? Just that. And, and texting is not connection. It doesn't count. It, it just isn't. Um, People in the blue zones where they live the longest and are the happiest, because who wants to live a long time if you're not feeling good? Um, they have community and community is so important. So calling somebody and saying, how are you doing? It, it makes such a big difference. I did text my friend to say, hey, how's it going? And she said, such and such is dying. And like, you could see it in her, I could see it in her text. So I called her. She's hysterically crying. You don't text that. She needed mm -hmm. that connection. And I said, have you eaten? Somebody was on their way over. I made sure of that. Have you eaten? Have you done this? Like I went through some basic things she had, you know, she didn't want to eat, but Anyway, and he's not dying. He was in the hospital. Like, but I understood the. It, it's the feelings. It, death or not, I mean, there's been a lot. Like, we don't go through anything alone. And and people, I don't want to bother them. It's always the, I don't want to bo bother them. Call because then they're gonna. There's the connection that happens. And first of all, you're gonna feel better. No matter what, you'll feel better. I never want to make a call. I never want to go anywhere. Even this girl that I was mentoring through the end of her high school to get help her with college, extreme poverty. She lived. In, I never wanted to see her, even though she's so cute and I loved it. And I always, I always felt better when I left. It's like I don't have time. I don't have this. I don't have that. Feeding the homeless, whatever it is, I don't feel like going, but I'm going to feel better when I leave. And then I have connection with other people and. And there's laughter that it just, you feel better. You don't have to mm. feel like doing it when you go, but you'll feel better. Yes. I love, I love how you brought the aspect of community into this as well. Cause it's, it's so empowering to know that you have, you're, you're needed in other people's lives and other people need you in their life. It's, or vice versa. Wait, I, I, did I get that wrong? Yeah, Sorry. no, I heard <laughs> you it. You get right. the idea. Yeah, there's yeah. like you, you're necessary. Other people are necessary for you too. What would you have to say for people who are? I know we touched on it slightly. There's, there's this concept of guessing versus asking. Sometimes people get it in their head that it's they can't ask for help. But if you're trying to build something bigger than just yourself, 
it's important that you overextend and ask others for assistance. How, what, what advice would you have for people to actually just get out there and ask people for help directly? Because I, I think that's something that, you know, you talked about, oh, maybe, maybe they're going to think poorly of me. Maybe they're going to reject me. What tips do you have there? Okay. So, I mean, if you have the question, so do a million other people, first of all. And um, I didn't have a podcast. I don't even remember why I thought I'd podcast. Well, probably, but, and, and you want imposter syndrome? This, this, it came up big time. I'd be on all these Zoom calls and I'd think, I'd see, you could tell when people are talking to each other on Zoom, um, on their phones or something. I think they're chatting about me. <laughs> like, what the hell? When did I start thinking that? And, um, and I don't know when I became self-centered. Who cares? You know what? And I started going to other people saying, how are you doing this? I ask. It's so much faster just to ask people how they're doing things. And no matter what I was thinking about myself, like, oh, they're probably thinking, who does she think she is having a pocket? Who cares? Who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. That's all in my head and it's all fear-based. So I acknowledge it. I have to feel it. I have to, or else it's, I'm going to come out. I've learned so much from interviewing all these healers. <laughs> it's going to come out. If I don't do breathe into it, it it's going to get stored in my body someplace. So, um, I feel the feelings and I move on. And, um, it, but I, I ask, I will always ask a question because and I learned this actually after when I very first started going to college, I used to have to know everything and scope it out and everything. It's so much faster just to go to the building that says information and say, I want to go to college. What do I do? I learned this. It's faster. And, um, you know, life's short. I want to, I want to do something. Um, there was there, I'm going to go in person to a podcasting conference. And I said, I actually told, contacted the person in charge of it. And I said, I've never been in person. I don't know anyone. I said, maybe I do. Maybe there's all this stuff I've been doing the last two years. Maybe I know a bunch of people, but um, what do I do? Yeah, I just asked. And that's probably a, the dumbest question in the world, but you know, here I am. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, you know, I know how to get a hotel. I know how to go there, but like, what's the best way to do this? I don't want to watch another video or be on Zoom. Like, just tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that beginner's mindset and the, and the humility to just get out there and say, I'm actually not an expert here. Let, let me get some help from you. It's, it's really beautiful to be able to, to, to remember that's the, the end result that's important, not necessarily and, how you feel. Yeah. And, and I'm going to add one other thing to this. When I started my law practice, Somebody said to me a couple years later, weren't you afraid of this? And what about this? And weren't you afraid of this? And weren't you afraid? I thought if I was afraid of all those things, I never would have started it. And I, a friend of mine said, why don't you start your own practice? I said, I won't know what I'm doing. She said, nobody does. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, yes. um, and I have seen that again and again in some of the top, top people. Like you just ask, people want to help. It's it. People want to help everywhere. And if that's one of the 10 lessons I learned, if they don't walk away from them or create a, bubble of white light around you so their negative energy doesn't get you <laughs> because like you do not want that person around you yeah i'd let let's i'd like to tie this back to that message of hope a little bit and especially in the terms of creating something big and bold with your life because you look back at what you've been able to accomplish with putting out this podcast consistently week over week and now you have something that no one can take away from you now you have momentum that is now leverage. You're able to now utilize not just 
not just the media that you've acquired throughout all this time of creating, but also like you're mentioning, the skill sets, the mindset, the knowledge, all of this now is a tool that you can utilize to do bigger things in your life. What advice do you have for people around this concept of building leverage so that they can achieve bigger and bolder things with their life? Well, you can do anything you want. I mean, absolutely. If you've got an idea, I mean, again, I'll go back to Angela Manuel Davis because she always says, if you can see it, you can be it. God didn't put that in your head for no reason. And everyone has a unique handprint. Nobody can do it the way you can do it. I mean, I, I get to take all of this and I get to make it into a book. I can do anything I want with this. And if I, and I do believe that if you can see it, you can be it. I mean, life is to be enjoyed and what we focus on grows. If you want to look at what's wrong, there's plenty wrong. Um, you can just go there and go down that rabbit hole. But if you want to look at what's good and what you can create and what's anything is achievable, it, it's just footwork. Even if it's a small step, like every day, I'm not going to get everything done. <laughs> Maybe I'm scrambling and, and, uh, there's been a lot of loss, uh, especially on my husband's side and my, my kid's dad just passed away. Like it, there's just been, so I, I have, I'm like hyper aware that nothing can happen to me or their dog <laughs> when they're both in college now. Um, so I'm like taking, you know, I have to be like healthy. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm going to take some time off, um, and go on vacation someplace that we're allowed <laughs> as Americans. <laughs> and, uh, Nobody wants us. And, uh, but, you know, and, but, but we can, we can achieve anything we want as long as we focus on what's good. And there's always good. I, go look at babies or dogs, as far as I'm concerned, or flower, you know, like sunshine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is so, so beautifully said. It's all about the footwork, little steps, they all add up. Thank you mm -hmm. so much for sharing that. All right, I'm going to move to our, our final question. Um, and this is my favorite question. It's one I ask everybody because I kind of geek out on this stuff. I, I like I like mental models. I like studying just like decision-making philosophy. So if, if we were to ask, you know, what would be your, your favorite decision-making framework? And this could be, uh, you could apply this towards big life decisions, or it could be something that you put into your day-to-day -day as you look at your to-do list and you decide, how, how am I going to frame my day? Well, always do the hardest thing first. That way I feel good about myself. I mean, and get it out of the way. I, I mean, absolutely. And I know everything works out. It just does. I know. And lately for the last, especially two, two and a half weeks, um, I keep reminding myself, it's all a blip on the screen of my life because <laughs> it hasn't been the most enjoyable period um, work-wise. I don't mean my podcast. I just mean my work. And I keep saying, it's a blip on the screen. It'll all pass soon. Just do the footwork. Just do the work. Show up. Be of service. Don't worry about it. Just just do. And, and I'm getting through and I'm almost through and going to take a vacation with my husband. <laughs> so, you know, and, and like, I, I, it's well-deserved by him too. He's handling all these estates. Like, ugh, I don't even, like, I don't know anything about that. And I meditate. When I meditate, it makes, it doesn't make everything okay, but it makes me okay with everything. So yeah. as long as I start my day, I know I'm being of service to everyone in every area of my life and I'm okay. And I just, I stay centered that way. Um, and I make sure I connect with somebody like in some way, like I've, I'm connecting with you and hopefully I'm being of service to whoever's listening. I certainly have no doubt that you are. 
This has just been such an incredible interview, and I really just appreciate your your positivity, your mindset, and that last phrase. There, there was something so powerful about that that I just really would love the listeners to kind of go back and re-listen. That this concept of everything is temporary, even the hard things. Like you said, they're just a blip on the radar. They'll pass. And it's so beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. So how do, how does everyone support you and how do, you know, how do you, is the book out? Like, how do we support all of the projects you have? Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy. I'm at 52weeksofhope.com or the Facebook group, 52weeksofhope.com. Uh, it's very easy to get in touch with me. So yeah. Everything Fantastic. is on there. All I have articles. I have an imposter syndrome quiz. I have seven ways to feel better right now. Every episode is on there. The the my takeaway, the meaning of life, is on there. I just think that one's fun. Um, yeah, everything's on there. Fan Fantastic, and it's such a beautiful site. I love the colors. Bring that level of happiness out. So thank you so much, Lauren. It's been a it's been a pleasure. And uh, take care. Thanks, Noah. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode. 